0: Pastor Ed Taylor with a word of encouragement to you singles. If you're single now, you have the privilege and the opportunity to devote yourself wholly to the things of the Lord. Singles, your spouse is Jesus. You get to spend all your time getting to know Him. You get to invest all your time thinking about Him, caring about Him, serving Him. It's a tremendous privileged time in your life. You might just want to jot it down. This is a privileged time in my life. It's not something to be despised. It's not something to just be thrown away, especially if you're not called to be single. Marriage is up ahead for you. God is going to bring somebody into your life, and then your life's going to change. You won't be able to be so devoted to the things of the Lord because now you'll be devoted to the needs of your spouse. And that's not a bad thing. It's just facts.
1: This is amazing. For me. We're glad to have you along for Abounding Grace as we continue our series in 1 Corinthians. We're living in a day and age when divorce is commonplace, even in the church. In fact, if you're an adult and both of your parents are still married to each other, you are in the minority, sad to say. Well, it wasn't all that different in Jesus' day. In fact, some Jewish rabbis taught that you could divorce your wife for just about anything, even burning your dinner. What about something a little more serious? Something like being married to an unbeliever? Is that grounds for divorce? Let's go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 7 and explore that question and others with Pastor Ed Taylor. Go back now to 1 Corinthians chapter 7.
0: Paul's going back to the original intent for God as, from God as well as it relates to marriage in these chapters, in these verses. And he says in 1 Corinthians 7... In verse 12, but to the rest, I, not the Lord, say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe, and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he's willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. But God has called us to peace. For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? And how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? And so sometimes that unequally yoked relationship happens after you're already married. Let me just be clear from the sake of if you aren't already married, the Bible says do not be unequally yoked. And I know that's not a phrase that we use too much today, but it's very simple. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it is not okay for you to marry an unbeliever. It's a very simple answer to a very simple question. And any of the answers that come back, but no, 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 you don't understand, Ed. He's so, so close. And I'm just kind of viewing myself as a missionary to him. You know, Lord, I just want to be a missionary. I think if we get married, he'll just see my life. And no, Relationships aren't missionary outreaches. They're a commitment you make with your life. The Bible says that you're becoming one with that person. And so if you're before marriage right now, you cannot marry an unbeliever and have it blessed by God. You're going to suffer great. God will honor the covenant, but the consequences will be painful. How do I know that? Well, ask anyone that's unequally yoked, and they will tell you. And a lot of what we have seen in our congregation is not getting married unequally yoked, but after a couple has gotten married as unbelievers, one gets saved, and the other one wants nothing to do with the things of the Lord. If that's your situation, and your husband or wife that's an unbeliever wants to stay married to you, stay married. You can't come to that place, well, hey, hey, I'm a believer now. My husband, my wife's not, they're not believers. I can ditch them and go find me a nice believer. No. It's very, very clear here. If they want to live with you and they want to be married, you can still have a good marriage. And how do you know, he says at the end, whether God's going to use you to see your spouse get saved? How do you know that? Taking things into your own hands. Just love that, that man. Love that woman unto the Lord. Bless them and encourage them. And allow God to sanctify. That word just means to set apart your home by you bringing in the presence of the Lord into a home that didn't have the presence of the Lord before. And in that unequally yoked relationship, if the spouse wants to stay, let them stay, and you stay too. However, he says, if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. You're not in bondage to that. If the unbeliever just can't take it... (laughs) They just can't take your Jesus. You know, and, and don't misunderstand the text here. So when you're looking at, at verse 15, you go, well, okay, hmm. If my unbelieving spouse departs, I wonder how many ways I can make them want to depart. You know, we're so sneaky. Will we, if we're not careful, we'll twist the whole Bible to our own advantage. We'll just turn it all around so that in our twisted mind we are going to use the Bible for for some other reason than the glory of God. And the glory of God in an unequally unequally yoked marriage is you just don't know how God wants to use you. And that covenant that you made, even though you weren't believers, is honored by the Lord. God, God honors the covenant of marriage, whether unbelievers get married or believers get married. Marriage is marriage. God created it. He ordained it. And so many of us got married as unbelievers to begin with. And God intervened. So if they want to stay, then stay with them. If they depart, you are not under bondage in such things. Let them go. Verse 17. But as the Lord has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. Was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Which, I don't know how that's possible, but don't... He's using it figuratively, but they understood. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not become circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Let each one remain, verse 20, in the same calling in which he was called. While you call were you called while a slave, do not be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, go ahead and use it. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise he who is called while free is the Christ's slave you were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, let each one remain with God in the state in which he was called. And that's the summary of this section, verse 24. When you get state, when you, when you're saved, stay in that realm that you're in. Don't make any drastic decisions because of your zeal. Now, of course, if you're involved in something illegal, you know, you can't, you can't get saved and keep dealing drugs, So if you're a drug dealer, you get saved, obviously he's not telling you to stay in the situation and and you're gonna become a you know the best believing drug dealer that you can. That's he's not offering you he's not giving you a permission to sin. What matters is obedience unto the Lord. And whether it's drug dealing or you're involved in some sexual immorality, he's not speaking to those things. Of course, if you're involved in some sin, you can't keep going and say, well, Paul said in Corinthians. What he's talking about is relationships and where you are when you get saved. The question comes up that he may be answering, what about, how do I change my life now that I'm a believer? For the Gentiles, they might be asking, should I become a Jew? And he says, no, 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 no. You don't need to be circumcised. You're a believer. Or, or for the Jew, do they say, well, should I now become a Gentile? Should I become uncircumcised? He says, No, no, no. Just keep on going in the same direction of your life. You never know what a day, you never know what a day may bring, so stick with the calling of God in your life, whatever it might be. Because there's this temptation for new believers to just throw everything aside now that they're saved and, and just start over. And and right away, they they have this newfound zeal. That for Jesus, that consumes them, they're, they're, they're so excited, they want to do things, and so they often will think of crazy things. Like, for instance, you, you get saved and, and you've always, you, you've had this sense of, man, I don't know if I should work here or not, and, and, and all of a sudden you go, I just quit my job. Why? Because I'm a believer. Well, no. Have you prayed about it? Has is, is God really told you to do that? Or are you just acting in this overwhelming, misplaced zeal? You know, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going on the mission field tomorrow. Really? I mean, is that from the Lord? Or are you just excited about the things of God and you need to wait on him and learn how to hear his voice? And maybe a calling of missionary is for you. If you're not prepared for the mission field, you don't go on a couple short terms to to really feel the essence of what it's like. You don't pray and gain godly counsel. There's so many ingredients of such a drastic life decision. Maybe you are called to be a missionary. But is there people that God has come alongside of you? you go, where are you going to go? Oh, I don't know. I'm just going to get on a plane. Wherever they drop me off, I'm on a missionary. Well, you know, maybe you should seek some counsel first. Just really ask some wise people around you. He says, the context of that slavery, he says in verse 21, were you called while a slave? Most of the Roman Empire were slaves. And one would think of, man, slavery is not biblical. Why should I be doing that? And the counsel is, hey, don't be concerned about it. Just be a faithful slave. And if they'll let you go, then you'll be the, you'll go for it. But don't take advantage of your relationship with Jesus to lay some heavy trip on people. Wait on the Lord. The application for us is certainly not slavery today. It's, it's your work experience. You're working, at, you know, I feel like a slave at work. Okay, okay, so that's your situation. Now you're a new believer. Do you just quit right away? Not necessarily. And that's where he is. Just keep doing what God has for you to do and resist the temptation to just throw everything away now that you're a believer and start over. Watch and wait and see what God might do. You automatically, in that same picture as a missionary, as soon as you get saved, you automatically become a missionary. You don't have to move out of country to do that. You become a missionary to your spouse, to your kids, to your friends. You now have this missionary calling in your life. So you don't need to move. It could be that God is going to begin to use you here. Verse 25 now, he turns back to single women. Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of the present distress, that, if it, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry... You have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. Now the question shifts just a little bit back to single men, single women, and it's good to remain as he is. If he's married, stay that way. If she's single, stay that way. Don't make drastic changes so quickly just because of tough times. This present distress, he says. You might be personally distressed, uh, there was a distress going on in the church. There was a distress going on in life. And he, hey, if you want to stay married, great. If you, uh, you want to stay married, yes. If you want to stay single, great. If you want to get married, and just be seeking the Lord. That's the key that he keeps saying here. They're all troubled about it. You know how sometimes you can get troubled over these questions. You go to somebody and they give you the answer and it sounds so simple. It sounds so simple that you don't even want to, what? That can't be that simple. Because you're so troubled over it. You've been thinking about it. You can't get any sleep. You're wrestling. you got all these. And you finally hook up with someone that you really trust, and they answer you in like 30 seconds. And the answer is so clear, so easy, just a simple scripture. And your first response is, no, I, I, don't, I, I don't think it's that easy. Like, you don't understand. I haven't slept for three weeks. I've been struggling over this. And, and God just puts somebody in your life and go, no, this is the answer. That's what he's talking about here, where you just got a present distress. You're so distressed over something. Don't make radical decisions, drastic decisions in great distress. Be led by the Lord. Verse 29 now he says, This I say, brethren, the time is short. See, Paul believed the time was short. 2,000 years ago, he believed the time was short. He believed there was an urgency of the coming of the Lord. I don't know why people make fun of that today. You'll talk to them about the urgency. You'll talk to them about Jesus coming back at any time. And I could just say this. We're 2,000 years closer to the coming of the Lord than Paul was. And you know how Paul lived his life? Time is short. Time is short. Time is short. It'll change the way you and I live. When we think time, we always have time. When we think it always can be tomorrow, and we can catch up with that next week, and we put things off, and we, we, we live as if we just have all the time in the world... What happens is our life just passes us by. And it passes us by, unfortunately, with tremendous regrets. We look back and we go, man, I wish I would have. Because the moment you do get it, the moment I do get it that the time is short and we start to live our lives that way, you'll never go back. You'll never turn back. You're just like, wow, this is awesome, Lord. You could come back at any time. And it's going to change what I'm watching on TV. It's going to change how I treat my wife. It's going to change how I treat. It's going to change my whole life if the Lord could come back at any time. But hey, if he delays his coming and, you know, it's no big deal, you know, it, it will affect you. It will affect you. I see that change in families that know that their husband or their wife or... Maybe one of their kids or a friend or a family member has a chronic illness. I see that change. For some, it's a real drastic change. For some, it's just a real subtle change. But when you really realize, like the Bible tells us, we don't need a diagnosis, friends, to believe the Bible, where the Bible, the psalmist says, would you please teach us to number our what? What does your Bible say? Days. You start to live for today you start to realize that today is a day of salvation. It shouldn't require a crisis in our lives to begin to number our days and to cry out to God to teach us to number our days. And Paul, way back then, believed in the urgency. He says it, the time is short, in verse 29. So that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none, and those who weep as though they did not weep those who rejoice though they did not rejoice those who buy as though they did not possess those who use this world not as misusing it for the form of this world is passing away but I want you verse 32 to be without care now you might want to mark that phrase that's the essence of this chapter Paul's heart in teaching us these things is he wants us to be without care he wants us to be free in the Lord to live that way you know those that live with burdens and cares they can be such a bummer just worried about this and caring about that. And, and we just want to live for the Lord. We want to give ourselves to Him and we want to live by faith. And, and there are always those that don't want to live without care. And there's a balance here. He's not saying just live your life. We already seen that. He's, he's not saying make drastic decisions, but He is saying, I want you to live without care. It's so wonderful, it's so great to be free from these cares and concerns, but to seek first, Matthew writes of Jesus in chapter 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We do just the opposite. We chase after all these things, hoping that we'll get the kingdom of God. You just won't get it chasing after all these things. You get tired and burned out, and when you finally get whatever things you were chasing after, you find out it wasn't that big a deal after all. And while you're using all that energy, while I'm using all that energy to seek after all these things, I'm missing out on the righteousness of God and his kingdom rule in my life. And there's a price to pay for that when you do it backwards. There's a price to pay when we chase after the things of this world instead of the righteousness of God. But there's also a great benefit when we do it right, when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. And the order here. Paul is saying, those of you that, you know, read ahead and you already, you already were looking at this section of Scripture might have just stopped here and saw this as permission to, that you can stay married sort of in the middle. Paul's speaking in very strict black and white terms here. But there is always that sense of our flesh to look for the middle ground. And some of you might have looked at this verse here and, and saw a way out, <laughs> That the time is so short, he says in verse 29, that from now on even those who have wives should live as though they had none. And he addresses the husband here. The application's for the wife, but the husband's addressed here. And this is the attitude that you can stay married but live like a single man. And you can't do that. You can't be married and live like someone that's single. You need to be faithful to your vows and to the Lord. Paul's motive is to be without care, that in your life you realize that you're married, but you need to live with an urgency that the coming of the Lord is at hand. Because those that are married do have a deep concern for their spouse, as we should. But those that are single, like those of you that are single right now, I I so desperately would love to convince you, I know I'm unable to do it, but the Holy Spirit can, but you are in such a sweet spot as a single person. Because you can devote yourself wholeheartedly to the things of the Lord without care in this season in your life. It's a season. Some of you might be called to singleness and you might be single the rest of your life. Don't worry about that right now. If you're single now, you have the privilege and the opportunity to devote yourself wholly to the things of the Lord. Single your spouse is Jesus. You get to spend all your time getting to know him. You get to invest all your time thinking about him, caring about him, serving him. It's a tremendous privileged time in your life. You might just want to jot it down. This is a privileged time in my life. It's not something to be despised. It's not something to just be thrown away, especially if you're not called to be single. Marriage is up ahead for you. God is going to bring somebody into your life, and then your life's going to change. You won't be able to be so devoted to the things of the Lord because now you'll be devoted to the needs of your spouse. And that's not a bad thing. It's just facts. If you're single right now, you can run circles around married people because you could just do whatever you want under the Lord. And it's a great place to be. And even though sometimes singleness is seen as a sad thing, you might even have friends, especially those of you that as you look at your age, you, you just think to yourself, I'm not as young as I used to be. And, and so there's these movies that scare you. There's people that scare you. We, we hear the phrase, the biological clock is ticking. Listen, the clock of Jesus Christ is ticking. Trust him. Don't worry about what the world says. Don't let them influence you. Well, you're just, some, you know, if you're not married, you're some second-class citizen. Not true. It's just not true. God can use you to great areas and your satisfaction and your contentment level is going to go through the roof because you're serving the Lord. I mean, you could be here from the moment the sun comes up to the sun goes down serving the Lord. And you could pick up truly in your state in life right now, God could really call you to the mission field. You could do it. It could be a lot quicker than maybe a married couple being called or with kids because it's a different state of life.
1: You've been listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. Hear this study from 1 Corinthians 7 again online at calvaryco.church. Pastor Ed, as we close things out, you were explaining some of the advantages of being single and that it's a time where we can serve the Lord without distraction. We often fixate on all the negatives of being single, but it is good to focus on what God wants to do in and through our lives during the season, right? Boy, I couldn't have put it better, Larry. You're right. Uh, This is
0: true in every area of life, isn't it? If we focus on the negatives, then we are going to be slumped in our sin and our flesh. But if we have our eyes on the Lord, what does the Bible say? The Bible tells us that God will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Him. And that really is where the battle lies the New Covenant Battle for the Believer is in the mind, and the essence of the battle is who will you believe? Will you believe the truth of God as revealed in his scriptures or the lies of the enemy which are all over the place and it is good to focus on the benefits of our station in life um, i I think of that in many different areas of life, but especially in singleness, so to you that are single. I thank you for walking along with us through this series of Bible studies. I want you to know that you're loved, that you're not less of a person. As we've said earlier, you're not somehow half a Christian or half a value. You are incredibly valuable to God. And it's hard. I recognize that. I affirm that in your life. It's difficult. It's a struggle at times. It opens you to different temptations. You might be sorrowful, sad, maybe even lonely. But the good news is this, God has promised to never leave you or forsake you, and He loves you. And I I think you should know, too, that even those men and women that are married, listening to me right now, feel some of the same things you feel, because part of what you feel is not actually singleness, but the human condition. And I know it's hard to sort that out at times, um, but I'm grateful that the Lord will help us by His Spirit to sort out what we're feeling, what we're going through. To bring him great glory, so we love you and we love you singles, men and women, um, you know even those that might have been divorced that that's why you didn't even want to be single. I, I shout out to all you single parents, oh, doing double time, you're doing a great job. keep your eyes on the Lord. He loves you, and so do we.
1: yes, we do, thanks again, Pastor Ed. Each month, Pastor Ed recommends a book that he believes will be of some help to your walk in Christ. And here in the month of May, he's picked out The Holy Land Key by Ray Bentley. The Holy Land Key is a real eye-opener to little-known aspects of prophecy. You'll learn how God's master plan is revealed in the seven feasts of the Lord and the significant prophetic patterns discovered in the lunar cycle, as well as receive glimpses of God's future kingdom as revealed in the stories of well-known figures in the Bible. We'll send this your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Give us a call at 877 30 Grace or make a secure donation online at calvaryco.church. That's 877 30 Grace. Those that prefer to write, here's our mailing address Abounding Grace, Post Office Box 460598, Aurora, Colorado 80046. Glad you've taken time out for our study in the Word in 1 Corinthians. Join Pastor Ed Taylor all week long as we continue to learn how to live by God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace.